Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com, and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365, for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, I'm taking you to the land down under today, and that doesn't mean Portland. I know what you were thinking. It means the real land down under, Australia. And I am thrilled to have world-renowned chef, award-winning chef, and now new cookbook author, Danielle Alvarez, with us today. So thank you, Danielle, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Lori. I'm so happy to be on. Listen, congratulations on the success already of your new cookbook, Always Add Lemon. It's out now in Australia, and it's coming out here on the 10th of November in the States. And on, I saw that on Amazon Australia, it already had a number one bestseller banner across it. Um, it was number one in seasonal cooking, which I thought was so great because you talk so much about seasonal cooking in Always Add Lemon. Oh, that's right. Well, thanks so much. I'm pretty excited that it's doing well, too. It's it's early days, but yeah, I mean, I, I've tried to incorporate a few of my basic cooking principles, and a lot of people talk about seasonal cooking, and I think the recipes that I've shared here really show you what that means because of course it means different things depending on where you live but I wanted to inspire people to be able to go to the farmers markets see things that maybe you're not used to using and give you a bit of inspiration on how to bring them home and use them in your cooking because seasonal cooking is number one the easiest way to make things taste better. Well and one thing that you do in your cookbook always add lemon is that you kind of walk us through each season and give us some recommendations, some inspirations on what we can be making each season. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I have a few that I just wanted to highlight, if I could, Lori, for your upcoming holiday season, Um, one of which is, you know, I think autumn and fall is one of my favorite seasons, and I have a great recipe for a whole stuffed pumpkin that I think could be gorgeous on a Thanksgiving table or a Christmas table, but it's a whole roasted pumpkin that you hollow out, you know, take off the top, scoop out the inside, and then layer it with wild mushrooms if you have access to those or any kind of mushrooms, Gruyere cheese, some bread, cream, onions, thyme, and then you put the lid back on the pumpkin and you just roast it for a couple of hours. And when you bring it out, I mean, the aroma is just incredible. But it's a really show-stopping dish that uh, would look great on the table. And you can make it vegetarian if you like. That's, that's really incredible because right now, especially, especially after here um, in the United States, Halloween, I don't know what they do in Australia, but, you know, here in Halloween, uh, Halloween we have lots of pumpkins and there's still lots of birds yes. left over. Uh, so, um, and people don't really know what to do with them. I'm seeing them on people's steps and on their porches and stuff like that, but we can actually can bring them to the table. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, people might be wondering why you don't have an Australian accent since you're 
in Australia. So why don't you give everyone just a little you know, background yeah. because you're actually from the United States, right? <laughs> I'm from the U.S. Yeah, I was born in Miami, Florida. I have a big Cuban family. Um, and I moved to California in my early 20s to start my career in cooking. Um, it was a bit of a kind of a left turn. I studied art history in university, and then cooking just became that thing that was like, I, that was all I was thinking about on my days off, on my nights, you know. Um, and no one in my family had ever done hospitality as a career, so it was really a, a different choice. And and I jumped in, and my first job was working at the French Laundry, which is, you know, three Michelin-starred restaurant in the Napa Valley. And, and I was hooked. I absolutely loved it. I loved the energy. I loved the connection to the food. Um, I was always learning. And, of course, it's such a fast-paced, high-energy environment that you could never get bored. So um, that, was my, that was my time in the U.S. And then I moved to Australia about six years ago to open a restaurant here called Fred's. Um, and we're in Sydney, and uh, we've been open here for four years and still busy every day, which is really great. Well, for people who may not know, Fred's is one of the best uh, restaurants in Australia. You guys have got so much acclaim, so many awards. Um, what's the wait time to even get into Fred's? <laughs> how, oh, how, how far oh, back no, up I, are you? <laughs> oh, well, you know, we have COVID, though, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not these days we have a we offer limited numbers, um, but we're lucky that we can be open. Australia has done a really good job um, in the past few months, um, and our cases are really low. So all of that stuff just means that we can keep operating and cooking the food that we love, and um, hopefully not too long of a wait to dine with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's you know that, that we kind of brought up COVID a little bit. You know, no. It, one of the silver linings, I mean, when you have to find a silver lining, is that more people did get back home and start cooking again. And more people started looking through family recipes, ordering cookbooks, buying cookbooks, sharing cookbooks, talking about food more. Um, did, did you see that also in Australia, as, as we saw here in the U.S.? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think the past few months have actually taught a generation of people that never cooked at home how to cook at home which is again like you said a silver lining of uh, of a very terrible time um i i think a lot of people invested the time in like you said buying cookbooks asking questions making simple dishes and like i myself started just cooking what i was making at home on my instagram and i i had so many people engaged asking me about um, you know, recipes and ideas and asking little questions about how they could make something better. Like, it just goes to show, because that, that has never happened before, you know, that everyone was in their cooking, um, in their homes cooking. Well, the stuffed pumpkin that you were just talking about, that's def definitely Instagram worthy right there. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. There's, I think there's a few in the book that are you know, a bit more of that, like, showstopper type dish when we can all have friends back over at our homes, um, the kinds of things that you would like to make. But then there's also a mixture of simple, everyday things that you could knock up on a weeknight. Well, let's talk about Just Add Lemon uh, because it's your brand-new first cookbook out. And so congratulations on that. That's always a really, you know, I mean, it's like delivering a baby, really. I mean, you know, oh, you're, you're showing yeah. it off to the world. <laughs> Except labor was longer, I'm sure. That's right. Yeah, it's been about three years, so I don't know. Yeah, it's a big baby. 
No, kidding. that's right. A, a three-year baby. Well, well, right off the bat, uh, you you joke about that that your chef's joke that uh, you always say, "Did you add lemon?" Um, but before something leaves the kitchen. So is is that how you came up with with the name of the book? And and that that should actually be on your tombstone. Don't you know? Uh, just yeah. add lemon. <laughs> Well, we joke about that in the restaurant because it is something that I say, you know, 20, 30 times a day as dishes are leaving the kitchen. Because, you know, I really believe that like a few little drops of lemon at the end, you know, when something's about to be eaten can really make all the difference. Sometimes dishes can taste flat even if you season them enough. Um, so it just gives you that little bit of brightness to help you taste all the individual ingredients a little bit more. Um, and, and I cook like that at home. I cook like that at the restaurant. So so it's kind of become the running joke that it's sort of the only thing I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we really think about adding limit when it comes to fish or, or seafood, but, but what surprises are we missing that we should be adding lemon to? Oh, well, I have, I have a few drops of lemon almost to every pasta that I make. Um, I, I put it, um, and it could actually be, it doesn't have to be lemon. It could be any sort of vinegar. It could be lime. Um, you know, I have a beautiful recipe in here for a braised beef pasta that I put cook the beef in some vinegar and then also add a bit of lemon on the finish. So it's, it's, it's all kinds of salads. It's, basically all proteins um and any kind of vegetable as well like there's probably not much that I wouldn't put lemon on <laughs> is, is that something that that was also in the Cuban household or is that something that you learned along the way well, you know, I, I tell a story in the book um for for a tart that's kind of roughly based on a key lime pie where we had a beautiful lime tree in the backyard. And I remember as a kid, my mom, like, asking me to go get one lime before every dinner. And we would squeeze it all over the food. And I think, you know, ironically, that's sort of where my love of that last freshness of acidity came from, which was with limes. Um, but, yeah, I think that that culture and that cuisine, you know, it's a lot of, like, braised kind of richer foods. And that little bit of acidity just makes it feel lighter somehow. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Southern California, born and raised in San Diego, and we had orange trees, lemon trees, lime trees, and it was the same. And in my family, we would just go out and pick something and, and then bring it in. But I had the ac actual extra bonus of growing up next to a Cuban family. And it was oh. the most special thing that ever happened, really, really shaped my my whole life because they were so social and so loving everything was yeah. really um centered around food and family and uh, uh i i learned so much from the rodriguez family and they're still friends you know to to this day and um it, i i just became this person who um even as a child and, and going over there after school, we'd walk home from school and Marcella's mom would be uh, um, uh, frying bananas and, you know, there'd be there's uh, always food, food, food all of the time. And so, yeah, and so food just really holds this special place. And, and, and I'm sure people in Australia, you know, have their um, food memories that, that are special and, and cultural to them. And we have those here in America. And it's really the one thing that draws us all together, no matter where we come from. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm so happy that you brought that up about the 
Cuban traditions because I, I mean, I grew up that way. I was right next to my mom. Like, you know, every day was some other big phrase or, you know, roasting whole pigs at Christmas time and always right. like plantains. Like that was on the table every single night. And you're right. Like, I, I, you know, I love food and cooking. I've made it my life. But I think the thing that first drew me to it was that it does bring people together. There, there seems to be this like great energy around a table. I mean, not always people do have their differences at tables <laughs> as well, but you know, it's, especially in the day and age when we're always just looking at our phones and kind of thinking about other things, I think you can really have some great conversation, give each other some love around the table, around beautiful food. And that is just the kind of world that I want to live in. So that's why I encourage people to be cooking more at home. Absolutely. And it really is is something that sticks in people's mind because here I am, you know, decades, I'm not going to say how many, but decades and decades later, and I still smile, you know, I, I still go back to a very, very happy place um, when, when something was going on. I mean, you know, my, my family was originally from the South, so uh, they had come over from Tennessee to um, Southern California, so, so there was also a lot of family in, in my house, but, but, but the food was completely different, um, but, but there was this, music and festivity and joy I think yeah. that that, that joy, was just yeah. filling over yes that 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 was happening um at there was always a party you know um and yeah. so uh it, it just was so it's such a wonderful thing and without giving me a, or without them knowing they were giving me a gift they really gave me a huge huge and, and and my siblings too and everybody in the neighborhood actually I mean it wasn't just me but but speaking for myself I remember it was a huge thing that they did for me so when you do cook for people um you're giving them a gift uh maybe you don't know it um but but they they do and they'll remember those things for for a long long time to come so uh, it, it may start out that you know it it's it, a little hurdle to get over mentally to cook for people um but it's really worth it i think in, in the long run because so much good comes out of it yeah no it's so true laurie i mean there's so many great memories that people create with together with friends and family and create new traditions and maybe you come from a family that's not a big food family so if you have that experience with someone else um it can just really brighten brighten up everything i totally agree with you well, let's talk about some of the recipes because you, that that are in the that are in the cookbook because you probably had to go through a lot of recipes and then whittle them down. You have more than a hundred recipes in the cookbook, and you go from salads, uh, fruits and vegetables, pastas, seafoods, poultry, meats, and of course, you know, you have desserts, which we all love. Yes. And so, how did how did you kind of narrow it down, and and what was kind of the the theme that, that you wanted everybody to get from the recipes that, that you did include? Well, I, I mean, I asked myself a few questions. Number one, obviously, is deliciousness. And if it's, it was super delicious, and I always had a few friends taste it and try it, if they loved it, then it went in. Um, the thing that kind of helped me, like, eliminate certain recipes was, I know that cooking at home can feel quite tedious with lots of pans and the washing and all of that. So if it was too complicated in that sense, um, it didn't go in the book. And sometimes as a restaurant chef, we tend to overcomplicate a little bit. So I tried to strip it back to the things that were um, not too many steps or not too many specialized ingredients. Like there's a couple recipes that call for things you might have to search for a little bit, but for the most part, it's all 
pretty basic. Um, and then I tried to include different things that were ideas and things that I've not seen anywhere else. Um, because I think a lot of times we can get in this pattern of just like changing garnishes, but re essentially repeating the same thing. So I want to be able to inspire people to be like, oh, wow, I've not seen that before. I've not seen that combination of things before. So it's about maybe a little bit of a twist at the end. Well, you're very well-rounded as far as with your flavors. I mean, it really shows all of your experience coming from from South Florida, uh, having this Cuban influence, going to the French Laundry, um, being in San Francisco, uh, uh, and then, you know, going to Australia. I mean, there's so many flavors, and I'm sure so much that you picked up along the way and then brought it into this cookbook. And it's really, it's, it's a cookbook that's really marinated in, in flavor. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Yeah, I mean, I think... I have had a very diverse background for a chef and sometimes I have to remind myself of just how kind of odd that trajectory has been. But I'm so thankful because I have had the chance to really try a lot of different things, to taste a lot of different ingredients. And especially being in Australia for the last few years, um, I've picked up a lot on Asian ingredients. So you'll see a few dishes where there's kind of the odd dash of this, a dash of fish sauce or soy sauce or something like that, where you might not expect it, but where it really delivers on flavor. Um, and I think, yeah, that's just a product of where I've been and who I am. When you think about dinner at home, when, when you're cooking at home, when it's time to think about dinner, what's, what's the first thing you, you kind of start with to figure I, out what you're going to have that night? <laughs> I always start with um, vegetables because those are usually what I have most of. And I, I buy like a, a produce box from a friend who collects from a few different local farms. Um, so I, I start with what's in there. And then from there, I kind of decide what I'm going to make afterwards. Those are usually the ingredients that are a little bit more perishable that you need to really focus on um, most urgently. And then I kind of look for a bit of a pattern in my ingredients. You know, like if I have ginger and spring onion, then I might decide to do um, like a steam fish with that or a stir fry or something like that. If it's um, heavy on the leafy greens, I might do a pasta. Um, and, and that's it. I start with those ingredients and then I go from there. Um, because that, that seems to be the hurdle that, that most people have the hardest time getting over is just starting. What am I going to have? And so that, that's really smart is to kind of start with your vegetables and then see what you have there and then kind of build outward maybe from, from well, that just, point. It narrows, it narrows the field a little bit because I think if you walk into a grocery store and you're like overwhelmed by the millions of choices that are available to you, you'll get overwhelmed. So I think start small, start with seasonal vegetables. And then from there, pick something that you really like and try to make that the star of the dish. And I like in this book, I, I've tried to really make it that way so that if you found one thing that you really enjoyed, that you were able to just create a dish around that. So there's lots of different ideas. And I also think you've got to have fun with it. You've got to be able to like change it up a little bit. That comes with a certain sense of confidence, but you don't have to stick to recipes exactly. Like if it's calling for half an onion and you don't want to waste the other half of the onion just put the whole onion in it's really not going to change anything too much um and and that is what cooking at home should be more like i think and that would take away a bit of that anxiety around what should i make 
Well, one thing that you make in here several times that speaks to us, especially um, in the Pacific Northwest, but really all up and uh, down all the coastlines, but uh, you have several mussel recipes. We love mussels here. We have the pin cove mussels uh -huh. and we just, we love them and pasta. So yes. we love pasta and we love mussels and, and, and seafood. And that was really something that also jumped out in, in the cookbook was a, a more uses for those things because we um, tend to love pasta. In fact, we, we buy pa uh, pasta. I, I see people, especially at the uh, Pike Place Market, um, there's, uh, there's, uh, they sell pasta there. And people, I, I, I see them leaving with so many pounds of pasta. I'm thinking, how will they ever eat that much pasta? But uh, <laughs> but we do. That's the thing is is that we do. And then I find myself leaving with you know several pounds of pasta too. Everyone and then it, it's pasta. gone. Everyone loves pasta. You're right. And so <laughs> you have some great pasta recipes here in the book. And then to add those even with with mussels, which we also really really love here, um, is oh. is such a fun thing to do, especially when when it starts getting cold outside. Yeah, well, well, I mean, a big part of steaming hot bowl of mussels can is like there's nothing better. But I have a couple recipes. One is for a pasta with um, mussels and induya, which if you've never heard of that, it's like a spreadable, very spicy salami. Um, but essentially, the sauce is made by you know steaming open the mussels and then mixing in a bit of tomato, um, tin tomato, canned tomato, and the induya, and then tossing that through some pasta, and it's just so warming and comforting and delicious. Um, and then the other one is mussels with sausage, um, roasted red peppers, and fregola. Fregola, if you've not heard of that, are kind of these little tiny, like ball-shaped pasta from from Sardinia. But they work super well. And I cook this in a like a paella pan, but you could do it in any any sort of wide pan. Browning off some sausages, I roast sweet peppers over the the a charcoal grill or you could do it on an indoor grill if you have one um and then open the mussels the fregola gets cooked separately and then mixed in at the end and it's kind of like a a sort of a paella meets risotto but not exactly a little bit different isn't paella fun i i just i, I just love paella I, I just think it's just one of those Same. fun dishes i i just i just love paella it's and it's great for feeding a crowd of people because it is truly a one-pan dish, and you can do so many different things with it. You can go meat and seafood, just seafood, vegetarian even. Um, I have a recipe in here for a, a black paella, so a fronsonero, um, which is just made by mixing in a spoonful of squid ink. Um, so it shouldn't be anything too intimidating, but it's really quite striking and so delicious and great for feeding like you know eight to ten people do they do thanksgiving in australia i i was just thinking of that because we were talking i'm still thinking about the um, pumpkin that i'm going to hollow out and then uh make that dish out of and then Sadly and then not. put it on instagram <laughs> oh, <laughs> do they do that no, <laughs> we don't do thanksgiving and it's like my favorite holiday because it's all about food right um, so I, I, I miss out on it over here but you know that's okay I'll make up for it at, at another time of year it's also because it's um opposite seasons you know we're getting ready to get into our summer so a lot of that produce that you would associate with Thanksgiving is not at its best right now down here so we're kind of 
opposite of you as far as the seasons are, are concerned because we're totally going opposite. in. To, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's it, it's amazing that that I've been talking to people so much about cookbooks lately, and it seems like they've really made this resurgence in the last few years, and. And of course, with with uh, with the pandemic and people cooking, um, that's really helped more recently as well. But were, were cookbooks important to you? Were, are you a cookbook collector? Did did you have special cookbooks growing up? Yes, yes, I have so many cookbooks. I mean, I can't say that I really got into it until I became like obsessed with cooking at home. Um, so many books that really just shaped my my early days as a young chef. I I used to like read them like they were novels next to my bed. Um, so yeah, I have a huge collection. When I moved to Australia, I brought them all with me, like boxes on the plane <laughs> with me as my carry-on luggage. So I'm obsessed. Um, and I've only continued to add to that. I mean, there's I love holding a book in my hands, and I think in terms of books to hold, cookbooks are the best. They've got so many great images. Well, a lot of them do, but also great stories. And yes. um, it's the subject that I love talking about the most. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, I, I think you're right about that. You know, I, I, I know some people are really into technology and they, and, and of course this is available in Kindle as well. So if, if you're one of those techie people, you can get it <laughs> downloaded. But I love um, thumbing through a cookbook. I love talking about recipes when I leave the cookbook out and then somebody else picks it up and, and we start talking about that. It's, it's an instant conversation starter for sure. And then it, it's one of those things that you can just get carried away in looking through a cookbook for hours, really, and dreaming oh, and planning. Like, yeah, it's kind of escapism at its most simple, you know, especially I think when you're looking at cookbooks that um, have stories or are shot or, or told from a different location. It can really make you feel like you're traveling without doing any of that. Exactly, exactly. And if 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 nothing else, it makes us want to be better home cooks. <laughs> the, yes. the, the desire, the seed is the planted. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful cookbook, Danielle. Always add lemon. Um, it's going to be available in the United States um, on the 10th of November. So wherever books are sold, you can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, wherever books are sold, ask for it by name. It's available now in Australia and doing very, very well, uh, like I said earlier. So I really appreciate, Danielle, that you took the time to come on. I know we have this big time change between us, and, and so I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today because this is something, this is a, a cookbook that will do really well and speak to us, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, but it will ring true to so many people, uh, not only in the United States, but, but around the world. And so just to have a little bit of your time, I know how busy you are, to come on and talk with us is, is, is a true delight. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. I really appreciate it. And one last thing, I wanted to point out that there is a beautiful slow-cooked salmon recipe. If there's one thing that I miss about the living in <laughs> California and having access to Pacific Northwest, it's the salmon. So anyways, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for having you me. You know, um, my, uh, my in-laws are uh, from um, from Pittsburgh, and but they are uh, also 
Florida people. So, you know, they're between Pittsburgh and Florida. But when we came out here to the uh, Pacific Northwest, they fell in love with salmon because it was something that they weren't getting back east. And now every time they come, they just want salmon, salmon, salmon. They, they can't like, they're like a bear. <laughs> they just can't get enough salmon. So, so you know, and I'm not the only one who has relatives like that. I mean, when people come to the Northwest, that's really what they want to have in it. And, and rightfully so. Um, so there is a great recipes and you have a great one here in there um, that we can add to our collection to uh, mm. impress our friends and family when they come because <laughs> we, we have we have great salmon there, there's there's no doubt about yes, that we, we smoke it we poach it we we do it all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well the cookbook uh, called uh, always lemon uh, it's available now. Go out and get it. It makes a great gift, either for yourself or for one of your friends or family. The holidays are coming up. I think cookbooks make wonderful gifts. Thanks, Danielle, for coming on. And uh, we'll Thank be right you, back. Lori. I think that went great. Are you there? 